take your Bibles this morning, I want you to go to the book of 1 John. 1 John. I want to read a verse of Scripture to you today. And I hope this message will be a help to you. And there's so many great things that uh, the book of 1 John, many years ago when we first started, I preached a whole series uh, from the book of 1 John on how you can know that you're saved. And that's what I want to talk about today, how to know you're going to heaven. There's many people out there today who claim to be Christians. They claim to know Christ. They claim to be religious. And many claim to be saved and may very well be saved. But many people are not able to say that they know that they are saved. And the truth is, that when you tell somebody that you know you're saved, that can actually get you in trouble a lot of times with people. And there's a reason for that. I want to, I want to try to help you with that today. Uh, but 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, look what it says. It says, These things have I written unto you. Well, what things? Well, chapters 1 through 5, and I'm not going to preach the whole book of 1 John to you today, but he's talking about this book that he just wrote, what we've just read. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. There's two purposes for the book of 1 John. The first purpose is so people can know that they're saved. Man, when when you study the Bible and you read about a place called hell, I sure would hate to go through life wondering, not knowing. And God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to know that we're saved. He wants us to have assurance of our salvation. And the Bible tells us how we can know that we have eternal life. And then there was another reason for this book. That way those who maybe don't believe, they will believe. And they will get saved. And so the Bible, it's full of these things that tell us well how to be saved and then tell us how we can know that we're saved. And I hope that I help you with this today. But there's clearly, I don't think anybody will deny this, a growing dislike for Christians that's brewing in the world today. It's very clear to see. And as believers, we sometimes have a hard time wondering why people don't like us. Okay, have you ever had somebody that didn't like you and you just like what's not to like about me, you know? And and really, you know, as as Christians, you know, why is this a problem? Why do people not like us? You know, really think about this. Why wouldn't someone want to live in a neighborhood full of people who believe in following the Ten Commandments? I mean, the Ten Commandments are offensive today. But here's the thing if you live by somebody who believes in the Ten Commandments, they're not going to steal from you, are they? They're not going to kill you. They believe that you shouldn't do that. They're not going to commit adultery with your wife. I mean, there are some wonderful things about people who believe the Bible. There's things they they're not going to do. There's things they're going to they are going to do. I mean, they're going to be kind to you. Hopefully, now I know Christians don't always do these things, but if they're following Christian teachings, they're going to do these things, and they're not going to do some things. And so, really, why wouldn't people? want a neighborhood full of people who believe in following the Ten Commandments. Why wouldn't our government want to support the whole idea of the Ten Commandments? I mean, if everybody was following the Ten Commandments, well that's going to save a whole lot of that's going to stop a lot of crime, isn't it? I mean, isn't a lot of our crime about stealing and killing? You know, what if in Chicago they got everybody following the Ten Commandments? That'd solve the murder problem going on there. But for some reason, people don't like this, and there's a reason for it. Okay, it's not that we follow the Ten Commandments. Some say maybe the world doesn't like us because we don't like them and how they live. We don't like the fact that they don't follow the Ten Commandments. 
But here's let's just be honest, okay? Let's think for a second. Nobody really cares what other people think, do they? I mean, we don't care what people think about you know how we do things. You know, I mean, think about yeah, you know, everybody's worried about, you know, we can't have Christians who believe in the Ten Commandments, who believe that you shouldn't steal and believe you shouldn't commit adultery. But here's the thing. How much influence do we really have over other people? I mean, there's mothers and fathers out there that believe their kids shouldn't do certain things and they can't even get their kids to do what they want through their influence and through what they think. And how is what we think going to hurt anybody? I mean, we can think whatever we want. We can think whatever sin we want is bad. We can think that nobody should do certain things that people like to do. But how does that hurt anybody? I mean, think about it. I, if I don't like how you drive, well, what can I do about that? I can't pull you over. I have no authority to give you a ticket. So, who cares what I think? And the truth is, nobody does care what we think. But listen, here's the thing. You know what everybody hates? Everybody hates somebody who thinks they are better than them. Let's just be honest. We all hate when somebody thinks that they are better than we are. And we, we you all know how it is. And most people think heaven and hell depend on how good you are. Don't they? And so when somebody comes along like myself and I say, hey, I know I'm going to heaven. You know how most people interpret that? He thinks he's really good. And especially if I say, hey, I know I'm going to heaven and you need to get saved. Oh man, he doesn't think I'm saved. He thinks he is. He thinks he's better than me. And what do we all want to do with somebody who thinks they're better than us? We want to prove they're not, don't we? And then pride you know, immediately sets. And you remember that when you were a kid, you might have played King of the Mountain. You know, most pointless game in the world. You find a little hill or something, you go, you declare yourself king, and now everybody wants that spot, don't they? Because they're basically declaring, I'm better than everybody else, I'm stronger. And you just got to knock them off there, don't you? I mean, maybe you weren't like that, but that's how I was. You declare yourself king of the mountain, I'm knocking you down. And you all declare myself king. It's human nature. It's pride. And many people interpret somebody like me saying, I know I'm going to heaven as bragging. But you know what? When you find out what we believe here, about salvation, what the Bible says, you find out that's not bragging one bit. It absolutely is not bragging. So you know, let's let's assume though for a moment that the idea that whether you go to heaven or hell depends on how good you are. Let's just assume that's true for a moment. Okay. So let's look at the Bible and let's see how you measure up. Okay. Because according to the Bible, the Bible says everyone sinned. Romans three twenty three says, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." Okay. So, alright, fine, we've all sinned. But then when you start talking about hell, people think, well, that's horrible. I'm, I'm definitely not that bad. Okay? I'm not so bad that I deserve to go to hell. I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a reasonably decent person. But 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, "...whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law." If you all want to know what sin is, sin isn't just what I think is bad. It's not what the Christian says is bad. It's not what the government says is illegal. Sin is a transgression of the law. And this right here is the law of God. The Word of God. And when you do anything that the Bible says you shouldn't do, you have broken the law. You are a transgressor. You are a sinner. Okay. And so, while it's easy for everyone to agree that we've all sinned, okay? Now, talking about heaven and hell again, 
Just how many sins do you think a person needs to do to be deserving of hell? Think about that. Or which sins you think someone deserves to go to hell for? Okay, let's say, because, I mean, sin, sin, according to the Bible. James chapter 2, verse 8 says, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin. If you just respect persons, that's, you know, be showing favoritism, that's a sin. Ye are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. We see in the Bible, you break one law, you are a transgressor. You've broken the whole law. And you and I, what we like to do sometimes is we like to pick the sins that are bad enough to get someone into hell. We will say, well, yeah, if you're a murderer, yeah, murderers are going to hell for sure because that's a really bad sin. Okay, well, what about thieves? Uh, it depends on what they stole. It depends on why they stole. Okay, but maybe you're a hardliner. Yeah, even thieves have to. If they steal, they're going to hell. Okay, but what if it's your child that steals? Do you believe your child should go to hell? Oh, no, 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 no. Maybe your child dies. Maybe they were a thief. And Oh, no, they're not in hell. Not, not just for stealing. That's not that bad. They only did one bad thing. Hey, you know, it sounds like you're being a respecter of persons. And the Bible says that's a sin too. And you've transgressed the law by that. So really what most people are doing today, they're figuring out their own you know, scale on who can be saved or who goes to heaven, who goes to hell. And the truth is, in the Scripture, it clearly teaches you transgress in one, you've broken the whole law. We are all a breaker of the entire law. Maybe there are certain parts. Maybe you've never killed anyone, but you're still a lawbreaker. And God is no respecter of persons. He's not going to look at one person and say, yeah, you, you killed somebody, but you know this one over here, they only stole. You're both lawbreakers, but I'm going to let the stealer, I'm going to let the thief into heaven, not you. No, God doesn't work that way. God's fair. God's righteous. He's just. And let me tell you something. Sin is a sin. And when I say I'm going to heaven, it has nothing to do with which sins I've not committed based on, or which sins I have committed. Okay, I'll tell you right now, I'm a transgressor of the law just like anybody else. I have broke maybe not certain ones, but it doesn't matter. I've still come short of the glory of God. Okay, so but people they don't they don't like to, they don't like to admit I deserve to go to hell. So here's another question: Why should you be allowed into heaven? Okay, why should you be allowed into heaven? And we now we've got this attitude in America that you know we all kind of deserve everything. Aren't we seeing that a lot in this election? You know, all these things that we deserve. We hear we hear about that all the time. But I think a way to kind of illustrate heaven. Okay. How many has ever visited a gated community where you have to like go up to a gate and get in there? I, I've been to a few of those before and some of the jobs that I've done. First time I ever went to a gated community, I was doing home preservation work at the time. I would mow yards of bank-owned houses. And I went to go to this one house I didn't know was in a gated community. And I go and I I'm pull up and there's this gate there. And I told the guy, he's like, what are you, he's like, what are you here for? I was like, um, 
I told him the address I was going to. I'm here to go mow the yard. And he's like, I can't let you in. What? Yeah, you have to get permission from the homeowner. I was like, I showed him the work order I had. He's like, yeah, but they didn't call us. They have to call us and let us know that you're coming. Now, this was foreign to me. I'm I'm just, I started getting mad. I'm like, I'm just here to mow the grass. They have to let us know. You know what? They have rules in those gated communities, don't they? Now, there's a reason they have those rules. Now, you might think this is terrible, but you know what? They don't want just anybody coming in their community, do they? Because they don't want to have to worry about crime. They don't want to have, you know, they don't want, let's just be honest, nobody here lives in a gated community, do they? Okay. They don't want certain riffraff around there. You know, they don't, they don't want, you know, some of them are kind of snobby, aren't they? And that guy wouldn't let me in. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm getting mad at him. Barney, you know, let me in. I got a Barney Five complex the guy had. He made me turn around and drive out of there like I'm some nothing, I'm some nobody, I'm some riffraff. I just wanted to go mow the grass. And they, I wasn't allowed into that place. They never would let me in there. And I felt pretty bad by that. But you know what? Why can't a community do that? They ought to have the right to have some rules. I'll bet they don't have a lot of crime going on there. You know, there's some places, if you go, if you live in that community, you've got to have your house up to a certain standard. You've got to have, you know, uh, your driveway, it's got to be made a certain way. You've got to have certain colored garbage cans. I mean, it's crazy. I've been in a lot of these places that are like that, and some, they're pretty snobby. And it's, but, you know, they don't have a lot of the problems that some of our communities do. You know, there are apartments where you can't have your dog. And some people just throw a fit about that. Hey, this is America. It's a free country. I should be able to go wherever I want. Well, let me tell you something. You know, we don't deserve to get to just do whatever we want. And it's like people, when it comes to heaven, they think, I have a right to go to heaven. No, you don't. Because here's the thing. If you go to heaven in your condition, you're going to mess heaven up. If they allow us into heaven in our condition, heaven is not going to be a holy place. Heaven is not going to be a place where there's no sickness, sorrow, crying, and pain. And you know, communities have a right to not want that. If people, you know, they a lot of times if you're going to visit certain countries, they want to make sure you have certain vaccines and they want to make sure you're not carrying certain diseases. They have a right to do that. And let me tell you, we we all are carrying something that is deadly, and that's called a sin nature that we all have. And so why should we be allowed into heaven? We don't deserve it. Revelation 22.14 Listen, those gated communities, those gates are not there to keep their people in. Are they? The gates are to keep other people out. Okay, And you might not like that, but let me tell you something. Heaven's kind of like that. Revelation 22.14 Blessed are they that do His commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without, alright, on the outside are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Did you see that? Hey, there's a certain kind on the inside, there's another kind on the outside. Uh, Galatians 5.19 Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, 
that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Did you all see that? There's a certain crowd they don't want in heaven. And let me tell you something, it's sinners. And you know what? You might not fit all of these, but I guarantee you all of us in here fit some of those, don't we? All of us probably in here at one point or another in our life, we've done at least one of these things that are mentioned. So how can we qualify to get into heaven? What can we do to get into heaven? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, we see again that certain people aren't supposed to be there. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But watch this. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Did you all see that? Hey, some of you used to be this. You used to be a part of that group that weren't allowed into heaven. You used to be a part of that group that heaven was made to keep out, keep those people out. Hell was for where you belonged. You used to be that, but you've been washed. You've been changed. So for you to be qualified to go into heaven, for you to get... And so there's rules, I guess you could say. Just like there was rules to get... I've been in some of the other gated communities, but that's because I followed the rules. I made sure the people let them know I was coming, and then they let me in after I showed them my ID. And, you know, they, and I told them who I was. There are some things you have to do to get into heaven. And for you to get into heaven, you're going to have to change something. And that's the fact that you're a dirty, rotten sinner. How do you do that? How do you do that? Well, you have to be washed in the blood. We see Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. He said that ye that at the time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. We have in this country, we have what we're hearing a lot of talk about, illegal aliens, right? Illegal aliens. People that aren't supposed to be here, right? And you know, that would, that would stink. Being here, liking it here, but not being allowed here. That wouldn't feel good. Okay? And you know, the Bible says at one time, you all were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Okay, as far as I know, nobody in here is of Jewish descent and Jewish lineage. And there was a time because you weren't a Jew, because you weren't from the twelve tribes of Israel, that you are you are an alien, you are an outsider. Did you know in the old Jewish temple they had a court for the Gentiles? Did you know you had there was a separate part that we'd have to go to because we weren't worthy to go into the inner court just because of our genetics? Well, that kind of stinks. Do you know they still have that today? You ladies that are used to equal treatment and equal rights in America, if you go visit the Wailing Wall in Israel today, you don't get to go to the main part because you're a woman. They've got a separate part for you ladies. Okay? And it's us and then there's another part that even us men can't go to unless you're Jewish. Well that's not fair. That's not right. That's kind of discriminating, isn't it? Well, you know, back then it was like that. Now, they don't realize it's not supposed to be that way anymore. Now, you know, we should be able to approach the throne boldly. Okay? And we, we are not allowed to go into the temple area now, not because God doesn't want us there, but because they'll kill us over there. <laughs> but God, God is fine. He says, "...ye were strangers from the commonwealth of Israel." 
and, and strangers of the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Listen, there is a reason I'm going to be able to go into heaven. There's a reason that I qualify. There's a reason that I've been able to get past things of my past, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the fact that He saved me from my sin, that He cleansed me. Well, how do you get that? Well, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Did you all see that? It cleanses from all sin. So whatever the sin was in the past you did, you could have done the big ones that we all like to talk about. You know, you might have done some of the big sins in the past, but the Bible says His blood cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. And let me tell you right now, if you think that you're getting to heaven just because you're good enough on your own, you're the only one that's being deceived right there. You're deceiving yourself. The Bible says you're making Him a liar. You're saying that God lied. He said that we are sinners, that we all deserve to go that penalty called hell. We deserve death. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just... He will cleanse us. His blood cleanses us from our sins. And when we say His blood cleanses us, this is where we're going to prove that we are not bragging when we say we know we're going to heaven. When we say His blood cleanses us, we are saying the work He did on the cross was payment for my sin. We're claiming His work, not our work. I didn't die on a cross. If I had died on the cross, it wouldn't have accomplished anything because I deserved death. But Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross, He willingly was laying His life down for our sin. And when He shed that blood, God saw that payment that He made as acceptable. And when we claim His payment for our sins, we are made accepted. God will accept us. We will be allowed into heaven. If you try getting into heaven based on your works, claiming your own works, the only thing God's going to see is a bunch of filthy rags. You will not qualify. You will not be allowed in. You can yell about your rights all you want. You can go call your politicians and all your lawyers and you know demand that they get you you know fair treatment. But let me tell you, you're getting fair treatment when you stand before God. And if you stand before Him and all you have are your own works to claim, then you're not going to qualify. The Bible says it is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Okay, So we are claiming His work, not our own. And so then the big question always comes. Alright, so we're not, it's not about our works. Well, surely, you know, okay, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves, putting your faith and trust in Christ, but obviously we've got to do something to keep our salvation, right? I mean, surely there's something that we've got to do to hang on to it. I mean, what if we commit some of the big sins after we get saved? Can we lose our salvation? Well, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. There's a zillion Scriptures we could look at. But I think this is one of the more clear Scriptures on this. Verse 28, "...let him who stole..." Y'all see that? "...let him who stole..." Thieves. Those are one of the people that aren't allowed into heaven. Thieves don't get to go to heaven. Okay? Unless they're washed. "...let him who stole..." You who were a thief, 
steal no more. Okay? If you're saved and you used to be a thief, you're not supposed to steal anymore. Okay? You shouldn't do that. If you used to be a murderer and you got saved, you shouldn't murder people anymore. Okay? All those sins that you did in the past, when you get saved, you shouldn't do them anymore. But what if we do? What happens if we do? You lose your salvation, right? Well, you know, I can't find out that anywhere in the Bible, but I can show you what it does do when we sin. You shouldn't sin after you get saved. But look what happens if we sin. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the things which is good that he may give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Hey, when you get saved, you should quit cussing. But what if I cuss after I get saved? Is it gone? No? Well, we'll find out what's going to happen. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. God wants a difference. Verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit. Okay, You know what happens when you sin as a believer? You grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, so when we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, do we lose our salvation? No, look what it says. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Did you all see that? So what happens when we sin after we're saved? You grieve the Holy Spirit. But don't do that. God doesn't want us to do that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to sin. You can do right, and you but you do grieve the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I hope you're not okay with that. Many people, they look at the fact that we believe you can't lose your salvation as license to sin. Well, no. Listen, if you grieve the Holy Spirit, you know what the Bible says? For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. God will punish us on earth when we sin. I don't believe that's license to sin. I tell my kids all the time when they want to do something they're not supposed to do, I'm like, yeah, you guys can do that, but if you do that, guess what's coming? If you do that, hey, there's punishment this for That's not license to sin. And when we sin as believers, guess what? We're in trouble. If I kill somebody as a believer, and then our government, they find me guilty, and they decide to give me the death penalty, you know what? I'm, I'm going to die, but I'm going to go to heaven. Oh, that's license to sin. You call, you call the death penalty license to sin? They're, God will let them kill me. You know, we see too. I mean, we can we when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we can get ourselves in a lot of trouble. But nowhere can you find in the Bible where you lose your salvation. You can lose your life sometimes. You can lose your joy. You can lose your peace. You can even lose your sanity. But you can't lose your salvation. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit under the day of redemption. Verse thirty-one. So because we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. God expects some things from us. Okay, we go as believers, we go to church, not so we can go to heaven. That's not that's not why we do this. We don't, you know, we're supposed to, you know, be witnesses. We're supposed to do right. But these things don't keep us saved. The Holy Spirit keeps us saved. He seals us under the day of redemption. If we can't do anything bad enough to keep from getting saved, and if we can't do anything good enough to get saved, and we all I think we all agree with that, what makes us think we can do something bad enough to get unsaved after that? Especially when God said the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
He said that in John chapter 3, verse 15, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How can you have everlasting life, which means life forever, and then die and go to hell? That, that, then you didn't have everlasting life, did you? And the Bible says when we believe in Him, we have it. Okay, And you can't have an eternal gift for a short period of time. That doesn't make any sense, does it? And uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, Many will say to Me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name, and Thy name have cast out devils, and in Thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew You. Depart from me, ye that do work iniquity. I never knew you. Okay, if we were saved and then we got unsaved, well, that means God did know us for a little while and then forgot us. No, He said, "I never knew you." In other words, you never were saved. Nobody gets saved and gets unsaved. There's there's no way. But everybody wants to do something. All right, everybody wants to do something. You know, and so. Even after all this, so what do I have to do to get saved? There must be something that I do, alright? Once again, we're always putting it on ourselves, aren't we? It's all about me. What do I, what do I do? Acts chapter 16, verse 31, the Philippian jailer, you remember he asked, he, remember the question he asked? What must I do to be saved? Okay? Why did he ask that? Hey, I want to get saved, I want to go to heaven. Surely I gotta do something. But what was the answer they said? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Kind of like John 3.15 and John 3.16 says. And let's just be honest. You believing isn't really doing anything, is it? You know, there are many people out there, they believe salvation is something that just happens to you according to God's will. And the reason they believe this is because the Scriptures are so clear that there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. And they've decided that when you you believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is you doing something. But listen, when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what you're doing? You're basically admitting that you can't do anything to save yourself. You know, believing on Christ is not a work of righteousness. A work of righteousness, you know, that's following some command in the law. You know, that's giving an offering, that's going to church, that's doing a work, a work of righteousness, that's keeping a commandment. But we see that that has, that's not it. You just believing, that's not a work of the law. That's not a work of righteousness. That's you saying, I can't save myself. I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And therefore, when we say that we know we are saved, what we are really saying is I believe God. I believe God's Word. My hope is in Him. My righteousness is nothing it is all about Him. Look at Romans chapter 10. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I think this makes it clearer than anything. I'm going to close with this. Romans chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. He's talking about Paul's brethren, the Israel, the Jews. He's like, man, I want them to get saved. They're zealous of God. But boy, it's not according to knowledge. What were the Jews doing wrong? What was Israel doing wrong? Why weren't they saved? It says in verse 3, "...for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, 
have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. Throughout the Bible, you see how the preaching of the cross was an offense to the Jews. The you know, just faith, believing, it was all about the works of the law for them. Surely we've got to do something. But verse 4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The Word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. Hey, what is it? It's, there's some they say it's about the works of the law. You know, Moses, he talked about this righteousness. But what is it? What was this righteousness he's talking about? What's the Word? He's like, man, you've almost got it. It's right there. It's the Word of faith that we preach. What is that? How do we have faith? Well, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture say it, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm here today to tell you that you believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, that's not a work. You calling on the Lord for salvation, that's not a work. That's just you saying, Lord, I can't save myself. Lord, I'm done just trying to be good enough. I can't be good enough. Lord, I'm a transgressor. I'm a sinner. And Lord, I just, I'm putting my faith and trust in You. And so when we say that we know we're going to heaven, it's because we know what Jesus did was good enough. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid for my sins. His blood was good enough. I'm not acceptable to God, but Jesus Christ is acceptable. And when we receive that gift of salvation, we are now acceptable to God. Not because of us, but because of Jesus Christ and the fact that I know I'm saved has nothing to do with anything that I do or anything that I have done. It's because the Bible says so and I believe God. I believe His Word. My hope is in the Lord. My faith and trust is in what He says in His Word. It has nothing to do with any works I've done. I could stand here and I could tell you some good things I've done and make you all think I'm a decent person. I could probably make all of you think I deserve to go to heaven. But you know what? Not God. Because compared to God, I'm nothing. Compared to God, I'm dirty. I'm unrighteous. Jesus had to die on a cross to pay for my sins. And the same goes for you too. And if you've never accepted that gift of salvation, if you've never called on the Lord for salvation, I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll do that today. So with that, let's all stand together right now.